If Fog Could Sing Stories by Charlie Price Wedding by Charlie Price Read by Charlie Price Wedding Seed put on his wedding suit and admired himself in the mirror. He brushed the back of his hand down over his shirt, smoothing out the folds of some rumples that had gathered about his breast. He took a hairbrush and brushed his jacket. His idea was to sweep his two black lapels blacker and free of any white hairs, but he just rubbed his wife's ginger hairs onto the suit jacket. He noticed and accepted them only reluctantly. Through the window, ajar and free of its night curtains, he noticed a tumbling and flailing bird, black and nondescript, against the skyey light. He pitied the bird, for its clumsy falling was pitiable, but really he was just glad that the curtains had been parted, and so no longer separated the world and him. The curtains were such a prison to Seed. Mrs. Seed came from a long shower in the ensuite into the bedroom, wrapped in only her towel. She had a mole on her left shoulder. This was nothing new. She made her mole visible in the large bedroom mirror, a darkened blemish on her pale skin. She said, What colour is my mole? Seed was still distracted by the bird, which had managed to begin flapping its gauche body into hysterical and laborious circles. He heard his wife's voice, but was distracted from her words. What, dear? he replied. What colour would you say my mole is? she said, putting the question again. Somehow it seemed like a rhetorical question. Seed hated talking about his wife's mole. Mrs. Seed was obsessed with thrushes and cancers, and rather hungrily sought out perilous carbuncles and sores on both her and her husband's bodies, to identify and worry about. Sometimes she worried so much about the sudden appearance of some malign protuberance that benign growths, symptomatic of her stress, would spontaneously rise in the night and be discovered, like squatters, in the derelict mansion of her body. But the left shoulder mole had been a constant presence throughout not only Seed and Mrs. Seed's married life together, but long before that as well. What colour is my mole? Mrs. Seed asked, with weightier emphasis on each of the five words. Seed made an estimate without looking at it. Raspberry. He made it sound authoritative, a statement, rather than a hazarded guess. Mrs. Seed deliberated, concluding, Yes, it is rather. Mrs. Seed dropped her towel, and her body's carnal playground impressed itself into the mirror's dispassionate sights. Seed caught a glimpse of the naked Mrs. Seed in the mirror, and shivered, and then grimaced, and then sighed as he noticed the clumsy bird fall stupidly out of the sky. He said he was going to put a fag in his mouth and light it. I thought you'd given up, Mrs. Seed replied, uncoiling a hairdryer from the highest drawer in her dresser, on which wedding pictures clustered. She knocked off a black-and-white photograph taken at their wedding reception, which showed a BBC journalist who was a friend snorting cocaine off the wedding cake, and Seed laughing at a bridesmaid who'd overdosed on the same supply, 
and was lying on the floor with a tampon in her nose to stop the blood and mucus flowing out of her face holes. Mrs. Seed picked up the photograph, giggling at its remembered scene. I have given up. I said I was going to put it in my mouth and light it. Did I say I was going to inhale? No, but but Mrs. Seed wouldn't argue. Had other matters to attend to. All right. See you shortly. Mrs. Seed plugged in the hairdryer and began blowing her vagina dry. Her crotch mouth seemed to grow ravenous for the turgid column of heated air, and she began cooing and vocalising sustained sensual moans of the feeling of the hairdryer's air column going up her vagina. She enjoyed the feeling of drying her vagina so much that it started to go wet again. Seed went outside. The window was open so he could still hear his wife's ahs, much to his own chagrin, as he put a cigarette in his mouth and lit it. Without any inhalation, the flame didn't take, and the cigarette died and just dropped onto the floor, charred, only an iota. Mrs. Seed was a while preparing and furnishing herself, but she emerged after a while in a bluish dress and hair hat, which reminded Seed of lifeguards. Seed and Mrs. Seed disembarked the house and started up the road to the church where the wedding service of Lou and Seed's old school friend, Key, was due to start in about half an hour. When they passed the newsagents, Seed told Mrs. Seed that he wanted to buy a newspaper in case he got bored during the service. Mrs. Seed said it was absolutely out of the question, but he could run in and get some sticky sucky sweets in case she or he, more likely she, felt faint and deficient in blood sugar at any point throughout the day. Seed conceded and went into the newsagents. He bought a loaf of bread and a bag of raspberry-shaped and flavoured sweets. As the newsagent processed the purchase through the till, Seed said to him, My wife has a mole on her back. It's the same colour as a raspberry. The man on the till said nothing. He had tired eyes in his brown face. Seed, having paid contactlessly, re-emerged onto the street where Mrs. Seed was waiting. She was sat at a bench fashioned in a ring around a rather ungainly oak tree. A corpse in shirt sleeves and braced pinstripe trousers was hanging by his trouser braces from a bow. Poor fellow, Seed said, noticing the corpse as he approached his wife. Must have been foraging. Why have you got bread? she asked him taking the paper bag of raspberry sweets joyfully and putting them into one of her pockets. In case I don't like any of the food at the reception, he replied. They began walking on their way towards the church. We're not going to the reception, Mrs. Seed said. We're not, Seed inquired, this news to him. Certainly not. I hate wedding receptions. They're even worse than funeral receptions. Are they? Seed asked. Do you not remember ours? His wife returned. Six people were hospitalised. Were they? Seed didn't remember. Weddings are brutal, darling. Emotions run high during the service, but we all just have to sit like good soldiers, like good, quiet, well-behaved children, in the pews. No wonder it's carnage when that's all over. It's best to get out while you can, before the horror dawns on one party, then the other party before the orgy breaks out. Marriage is like soldering two pigeons together, dear. A he-bird and a she-bird. 
Weddings clip the he-bird's wings, and they clip the she-bird's wings. Together they fall out of the sky. They're never the same when it's all over. Seed was taken by surprise by Mrs. Seed's unorthodox view of marriage. Seed and Mrs. Seed arrived at the church. Key was outside the church, smoking a cigarette with the best man, his brother, and the best man's brother. The best man was an older friend of Key's, with an enormous birthmark that looked like a C on his forehead. As they passed, with great curiosity, Seed studied Key's face, its handsomeness, with keen melancholy, and Mrs. Seed studied the birthmark, splashed in a number of shades of red just beneath the best man's fringe. At one point she went up to him, shook hands with him, and told him she had a raspberry on her shoulder blade. The best man did not reply. Then Mrs. Seed rejoined her husband, and they made for the entrance of the church. At the threshold of the church's interior, rich in somnolent beams and handsome glowing windows, a female welcomer with enormous eyes and cardboard skin thrust an order of service into Mrs. Seed's hand and, grabbing Seed's right hand, placed it firmly on his wife's. It was a curiously matrimonial gesture. "'Are you the minister?' Mrs. Seed asked, jokingly. "'Certainly not,' the welcomer replied in a tone that was incredibly stifled and quiet and ghostly, with nervously twitching lips and owl eyes. "'Welcome, don't come in. Please have a seat,' she said. Seed was still clutching the loaf of bread like a baby, and Mrs. Seed felt compelled to take the paper bag from her pocket and put a raspberry sweet in her mouth. "'No recording apparatus in the church!' The welcomer cried out with sudden volume and haste, snatching the loaf of bread and the paper bag of sweets. Then she returned to her eerie, laboured diction. These will go to the orphanage. And she dropped the loaf of bread and bag of sweets into a box marked landfill. Could I use the toilet? Is there a toilet here? Seed asked. But Mrs. Seed nudged him in the ribcage and their joined hands parted. The welcomer looked uncomprehending, and then appalled. Lavatory. He means lavatory, Mrs. Seed interposed. The welcomer said nothing, but moved her arm to the side with phantom smoothness, and reached forward a long, thin and spiny finger in the direction of an archaic oaken door. Thank you, and Seed followed her finger to the door. He opened it, only half tentatively. Within, he discovered the vicar, masturbating fiercely, surpliced, his animated member poised over an official-looking plastic cup. The vicar turned his head to see who had entered, but did not slow his rubbing right hand. Seed stared at the vicar in bemused awe, and the vicar stared right back at him, with a very deep look. It was a few long seconds after this mutual optic regard had solidified, and affected whatever inspiration it had to offer, that sperm shot from the vicar's privy member into the official plastic sperm-catching cup. Between deep and decelerating refractory breaths, the vicar said, Keys infertile, continuing after a brief pause, they need a donor for IVF, 
and officiating weddings makes me forbiddingly aroused. We're killing two birds with one stone. Seed hadn't heard that phrase in a while. Killing two birds with one stone. A violent image, rather traumatic. Brutal. The vicar pulled up his underpants and trousers and folded back his tossed-aside surplice. Then he closed the official sperm cup and gave it to Seed as he was leaving the room, saying, Could you give this to Key? I need to talk about hymns with the organist and rice with the bridesmaids. Seed received the cup of the vicar's sperm rather dubiously. In all the excitement and oddity, he had forgotten to relieve himself, and piss leaked downwards, soaking his trousers. Running outside to find Key, he found Key and the brothers looking around rather desperately for the best man. "'It's Nug!' Key exclaimed tearfully, bumping into Seed. "'Who's Nug?' Seed asked rather blankly. "'My best man,' Key replied. Then he noticed the sperm cup. "'What's that?' "'Vicar ejaculate,' Seed replied. "'He said your little fellas are defunct.' "'My what a what?' Key answered with much distaste. Mrs. Seed spotted Seed, and drew up to him like a ship. "'What is that, darling?' she said, pointing to the filled sperm cup, only to immediately recognise its contents, its texture by looking, and by nostril, its starchy scent. "'Oh, darling, you could have waited until we got home.' "'It's not mine,' Seed protested. "'What who on earth is it, then?' "'The vicar's.' "'Don't be so bloody ridiculous, Seed.' Mrs. Seed admonished, snatching the sperm cup and putting it into her handbag. It's for Lou. Key's infertile. There came a voice Seed did not recognise. Help! Key's head turned with a quick jerk in the direction of the shout, which continued. It's Nug. He's killed himself. With much anxiety and profanity, the guests and participants of both wedding parties, who had now arrived and gathered in substantial numbers, hurried to where the shout had come from. Nug, the best man, was hanging from a tree by his belt. That is typical, Nug's brother said, breaking the stunned silence and lighting up a cigarette. Key looked at Seed and grabbed both of his shoulders. It's going to have to be you, old chap. Think you can step in as best man? Big style, Seed replied, and winked cheekily at Key. Mrs. Seed was poking about in the litter around and beneath Nug's suspended cadaver. Then she looked up and relearned the red sea on his forehead, the birthmark that had been the first thing of Nug that she had gleaned upon her arrival. "'You must have been ashamed of his birthmark,' she said to the gathered crowd, from whose numbers chatter began incipiently to rise and rise in volume. "'It's raspberry-coloured.' The wedding guests retraced their steps, and processed into the church, and Lou arrived in a sleek, long and garlanded black car. She got out, flapped her arms, and made bird sounds. The service began at the vicar's orchestration, with Seed standing in as best man. At the presentation receiving of the rings, and the sacramental pronouncements, Seed was stood so close to Key that he could smell his aftershave, and hear his breaths. Seed and Key had enjoyed a passionate love affair at university, rich in perspiration and orgasms as mutual as profound. At the exact moment Key pronounced his weighty iamb, I do, 
in solemn response to the vicar's question, Seed squeezed the left of Key's buttocks and whispered close in his ear, Don't you forget about me, you infertile bastard. After the ceremony, when the church had been vacated by all its guests, Mrs. Seed congratulated Lou and gave her the cupful of the vicar's kindly donated ejaculate so she could have a baby, or maybe two babies. Seed and Mrs. Seed didn't go to the reception, just like she said. Instead, they walked home and took off their wedding garb, and got into bed, and held each other for a while. The sight of Mrs. Seed's raspberry mole rendered Seed rather lustless, but the deficit was mutual between man and woman, and nothing new, and so did nothing to hurt either party. They went in and out of consciousness in the sleepy blue of the summer night. At one point they were both awake, though Mrs. Seed kept her eyes closed. Seed's voice said something, and she heard it speak, weighed with sadness, as his sounds disturbed the stillness of the moonlight room. You weren't wrong, he paused. Weddings are brutal. But Mrs. Seed, through closed eyes, pretended not to hear what her husband said, and smiled with sepulchral vacancy.